suit comes with expectations. Let's take the shield, Sam. I have bigger things to worry about. This world is us. You built me. I am Captain America. We can't lose this fight. Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Ture. And Derek Wong. Tonight we have our third and final review of Marvel's new Disney Plus series, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, covering the fifth and sixth episodes, the final entries of the show, titled Truth and One World, One People. All right. <laughs> we have a lot to <laughs> wow. talk about. I think there's a lot of discourse around this show. I think I want to just like get into my feelings about the show as a whole, um, like compared to WandaVision, because like they're both the new MCU Disney Plus shows. I think the highs were higher for WandaVision and the lows were lower. And I enjoyed The Falcon and the Winter Soldier a lot. I thought it was really strong all the way up until the last episode. I thought the last episode was not so great. But I want to hear your thoughts first. Like, what, what, do you, what did you guys think? I don't know if I would say this series, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, was strong all the way through until the end. I thought it was a little mediocre. It was it was a little average to me until maybe the fifth episode when it... Okay, that's fair. That's like a standout. That's one thing that I think WandaVision doesn't have is... I'm trying to think back at like WandaVision and I, I can't actually remember it having a like standout episode like the fifth episode, right? Truth that we got in this series. I think strong is a strong word, like strong all the way through. I had fun all the way through, I think. I enjoyed this more than WandaVision at certain points because WandaVision's whole S.H.I.E.L.D. storyline was just so bad. Every time they went to that, it just like completely killed the momentum of the show. And all those characters were not that well drawn. And I don't think the Falcon and the Winter Soldier had a counterpart like that where it was just like so draining on the show. Yeah, there's no B-plot you hated. It was just average Marvel stuff that I liked. Right, yeah, absolutely. Like, if you like Marvel stuff, you'll like this. If you think Marvel stuff is boring and bad, well, this is not going to convince you. <laughs> I would counter that with, I think, the Flag Smasher stuff in this show is as bad as the shield or sword stuff in WandaVision. I think it ended up being as Ooh, bad. Disagree. In the end, maybe? I think the Flag Smasher stuff is definitely better. Even if it's, like, clunky and they don't execute it well. It's not as draining as all that, like, sword stuff for WandaVision show, which was just... But, like, think about how much time that plot took up in WandaVision. It was a huge yeah, drain. Yeah, it was like there was, like, whole episodes dedicated yeah, to, like, and, that and team. Like, yeah, I understand. And, and they never made anything of the potential of the characters in that plot line, right? Even, you know, Rambo is poorly served. But I would say, like, by the end of it, I was still excited to see where they were going to take the Monica Rambo, where, you know, spoilers, we've all seen the episode. Carly dies at this, and I'm like, that's fine. Like, I don't need any more Carly. I agree, I agree. Agreed completely. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's a difference. Like, I'm, I'm excited for that character, but not really for this one. So that's where I kind of fall. I was okay with some of that sword stuff, right? In the end, like, if you're going to compare sword to the Flag Smashers, I'll take the sword stuff over the Flag Smashers. Really? Smasher I definitely yeah. go the other way. I go the other way, too. All right, like, here's, here's, like, how I can sum it up. 
Watching WandaVision, when I was watching it, I'm like, oh, fuck, sword stuff again. I never felt that <laughs> way when the Flag Smashers came on. I was like, we're doing Flag Smasher stuff. It's fine. I, like, yeah. I was never, like, groaning, like, the way I did with the with the sword stuff. I would agree that it's probably not as groan-worthy because it, it seemed to be so tied into the actual, like, Bucky-Sam mm-hmm. storyline that, you know, it, it's, it feels natural to go to visit the Flag Smashers and... And see their story versus, I think, yeah, like the the sword stuff at the end very much felt like this. You, you saw the scenes of them trying to set something up at the end of it. Yeah. But I would also say that, I mean, I wasn't the biggest fan of the Sharon Carter stuff. Like, we, we talked about it before. Like, the Madripoor stuff was really not that great in this show. I mean, I guess we could talk about it now. I mean, she's revealed to be the power broker at the end of the show. And I'm like, I guess... I you mean, know, we, we all kind of predicted that was yeah. where they were going. Yeah. I think. I don't know. To me, it wasn't like exciting. I don't know. How do you guys feel about that reveal? I feel like they spent, and, and this is just a comment on the last episode as a whole, they spent a lot of time like crossing their T's and dotting their I's and circling back around to plot points that they dropped. So it was all very like hermetically sealed and like, okay, we've, we've come back around. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They tidied it all up. Whether it made sense or not, they're like, okay, we're we're just doing we're doing this. We're totally tidying everything up, and this is just what it's going to be. Um, and I think some places that worked, some places it didn't. I'm not like an enormous Sharon Carter fan. I'm kind of like whatever. So when they brought her back in the show, I was like, all right, fine, I guess. And then like when they're handing her to be the power broker, I was like, all right, I don't really know who the power broker is, so that's cool too, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and so then they like. You know, they followed through with the plot line that I was just kind of mad about, and it was also meh. So, all right, cool. You did the thing you set out to do. You went from A to B to C. Congratulations. I could take it or leave it, Sharon Carter's character, so I can take or leave that reveal, too. Right. It's I just like, like I don't feel like she's yeah, ruined. Yeah. I'm not like, oh my god, they made her a villain, and I'm not like, oh wow, this perfectly follows through in her character arc, because I don't know that she has one. So, like, for <laughs> me, it's just like, whatever. Cool. Yeah. You did the thing that you telegraphed you were going to do, and you did it. So slow clap. Yeah, but for then that. they they give her the the mid credit scene, right? Uh, of this, or I guess end credits or whatever. I don't you know wanna... why they needed to do that. That just like reinforced how gray she is. Oh, she's doing the double agent thing where she's back in the the U.S. government's good graces, but now she's selling all their weapons and secrets to like the highest bidder and shit. So like, do I guess they wanted to show that Sam followed through on his promise to like get her back in the states and give her a pardon, but like. Yeah. Pretty boring mid credit scene, I think. Yeah, agreed. I mean, yeah, it's fine. Like, whatever. Let's talk about this, because episode five was fantastic. Yes. I thought episode five was such a high point for the show. I was like, wow, they're really going out on all cylinders here with that fight with Bucky and Sam and Walker. Such a brutal fight, like, to, to take that shield back. All right, so you guys both really liked this episode, and I liked it fine, but I wasn't, like, blown away. Mm-hmm. So, like, talk about, like, what the episode did and what you guys liked, because for me, it was just kind of, you know, another episode of the show. What I liked about the episode, and I-, I talked about this when we talked about the first two episodes, and specifically the first episode, what I really liked about, you know, bringing Marvel to TV is, like, allowing your characters to breathe and to grow mm. and to showcase our characters. And that's exactly what this episode does, right? Of course, it front loads it with that great fight. But then the rest of the episode is just a lot of character development, right? It's like showing that growing relationship between Bucky and Sam, right? They work together to fix the boat, right? You know, and then you have that great moment that they share where like basically Sam becomes his counselor, right? And and helps 
Bucky like figure out what he needs to do to get out of you know his funk what Sam says to him to the effects of like hey you you got to do the work you got to make it right by like doing things for other people right it's not about servicing you it's about servicing others and I love the talk between like Isaiah and and Sam too like I did like that I don't know if you guys remember what I talked about like last time right where I felt like the show was trying to like you know subvert talk about the hard-hitting issues of race right but like I think that conversation was great. Like we've never seen something like that in the Marvel universe, right? To really kind of have like two two black men sit down and talk about what it means to be like a superhero representing America. So I, I thought that was a great conversation. Like I think it's just those those small moments. It's just moments where just characters like talking and like relating and and, and developing. Like that's the stuff I love. Just Bucky and Sam vibing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought this whole episode took the time to go through these characters, actually talk in depth about, like, what happened in the last four episodes and, like, what's going to happen in the future. And, like, even Walker gets a great moment where he gets other than honorable discharge for his title as a captain. That was fucking rough. Yeah, it was real rough. You get, like, to see his temper again. He's like, I am Captain America. And and the council's like, not anymore, you're not. It was, it was pretty <laughs> pretty rough. And, like, especially after, like, fucking Sam and Bucky tear the shield off his broken arm. And I, I did like the, the stuff with Sam and Isaiah to have, like, differing views on, like, how to... Well, not differing, but, like, Sam is leaning one way and then Isaiah's like, Oh, like a black man should never be Captain America or whatever. I thought, I thought that's nice. And, uh, this is a nice moment between those two characters. Uh, I don't know. What, what did you think, Amir? I do enjoy those, again, like you call them the sort of smaller sort of character moments. I wasn't blown away by that beginning fight. I liked it fine. I didn't like it as much as I thought I should have, if that makes sense. Oh, really? Um, yeah. You know, it was just fine. I, I don't think it was as good as like that Civil War fight, for example. Yeah. I don't know if it was as good as some other martial arts fights I've seen recently in other movies. Do you think it was the best fight on the show? Or maybe did you think the Dora Milaje was better than this? Maybe the Dora Milaje fight was better. Or, or even like in that first episode, I liked the initial yeah, stuff with Sam yeah, yeah. fighting those helicopters. That yeah. might actually have been the best fight. And even like there were a couple of decent touches in that last episode. But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I didn't. Like it. it was fine, but didn't blow me away as far as martial arts fighting action stuff goes. I like the John Walker stuff. Like Zemo getting picked up by the Dora Milaje is fine, I guess. Um, I did like the Isaiah and Sam conversation. You're right. It's nice that they had an explicitly conversation between two black men about like America, what it means to be black in America, and like trying to fulfill that role. Um, it reminds me a little bit of uh, – all the talk, this is, you know, 13 years ago now, but the talk about uh, Obama and whether he could be president. And a lot of black people mm-hmm. didn't think, A, that he could win, just didn't think America was going to allow it. And B, didn't think if he was elected that he would live. <laughs> wow. um, so that's a very real, like, current of, I don't know, suspicion about the government or about, like, the central world races of American life that they're drawing on. So kudos to them for, like, doing that. Like, the show obviously had a message it was trying to convey, and they definitely did it. I think it could have been so easy for that to be, like, on the nose, and they didn't go that route, which I really appreciate, I think. I think the next episode kind of undoes that a little bit, but... Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like episode five. I do agree with you, actually. I do enjoy those little those those character moments a little bit. I did enjoy seeing the little Sam training montage. Yeah, I love that. It showed you really how terrifying a, a giant metal shield coming right yeah. at you is. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. <laughs> they, showed, they showed him being human. He's not a super soldier, so he's, yeah. he's training and practicing and learning to use that thing. Yeah, that was a good. That was a, that was a good one. Um, they, they they get Batroc back. Walker builds his new shield. Meets uh, Madame Hydra. Yeah, Contessa. Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, played by Julia Louis Dreyfus. Inspired piece of casting there. I think she's yeah, fun. like she sticks she's out fun. like a sore thumb. She's she sticks yeah. out like a sore thumb because she's like funny. All and, camp. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I really liked seeing her here. Maybe just because I like seeing her and stuff. <laughs> but it was cool. It's cool to have her show up. As like a fan of Veep and Seinfeld, it was like inspired choice. Yeah, like like, like Amir said. I mean, let's talk about her a little bit, right? Because she is potentially going to be a big character. I mean, I'm guessing she's going to be a big character moving forward. Amir, you already said it, right? In the comics, she is a character called Madame Hydra, right? Mm-hmm. From my like kind of research, there's like different iterations of her, like different things. W- one thing that's kind of interesting is that she was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent at one point, a love interest to Nick Fury at one point, um, but then she becomes, you know, like an agent of Hydra. Mm-hmm. What I think is interesting is what I think they're trying to do with her i'm getting the sense that they're trying to create a kind of female version of nick fury with her who is forming her own team do you guys get that sense huh yeah for sure she has this relationship that she's kind of building with walker she gives him the new suit right he becomes u.s agent in this in the sixth and final episode but she even says like our boy zemo got the last laugh when it comes to the super soldiers right as though she was also working with Zemo somehow. So, I mean, this is like a reference to the Dark Avengers, right? Or the Thunderbolts. Or the Thunderbolts, yeah. yeah. One or the other. Oh, one or okay. the other. That makes yeah. sense. Because U.S. Agent and Zemo have both been members of the Thunderbolts, right? So Yeah, and I believe Zemo is the leader of the Thunderbolts, right? Yeah. Okay, that makes perfect sense, actually. I mean, some people think it's like they're going to form the Thunderbolts and maybe even be like a Thunderbolts movie. My guess is that Marvel has already announced that there is going to be a Secret Invasion TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my guess is that they are going to show up in that show. And I think she is forming this team because she maybe already knows that the scrolls have infiltrated. And she's trying to form a team to fight that. But why would she give a fuck? Isn't she evil? Like, I feel like if I was evil, I'd be like, oh, the scrolls are attacking? Nice. Good opportunity to do some fucked up shit. Not like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to form a team to defend the Earth. I mean, we don't know her allegiance yet. Like, I mean, she is forming a team of potentially morally gray characters. And maybe she herself is like a morally gray, like Nick Fury, right? She's not entirely evil, but maybe she's okay with bending the law a little bit. Kind of like how both Zemo and kind of Walker have been portrayed so far. Zemo's a super villain. And Walker's like an agent of like US Empire, but like mostly is just doing what he's told. I feel like those are two very different things like i wouldn't Zemo's call him international terrorist Dude, didn't he blow up king t'chaka like i feel like yeah but he does these things because he feels like he's right right he thinks he's but, doing but, but good that's what everybody thinks though right i feel like you can't like any <laughs> yeah. villain with a motivation is gonna say they're right that doesn't make them not a villain he goes around blowing people up i mean a villain thinks they're right i feel like a villain knows that they're not doing right versus I think Zemo is the type of character that thinks he's doing right and doing what he needs to do what's right. There's a difference. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm not saying it correctly or well enough. I think I disagree on that one. 
I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's it's different levels. I think I feel like how they've portrayed Walker and Zemo, they probably don't mesh together that well right I should now. Hope but who not, knows? Right? Like yeah. you're supposed you're supposed yeah. to feel some kind of affinity for Walker, even though he's clearly a bad guy and like not up to being Captain America. You're still supposed to feel sorry for him, kind of. And feel some kind of empathy for the guy. Uh, whereas Zemo, as charming or whatever he is, he is, he is the villain, right? And like maybe he's like a, I don't know, a Loki type of villain who's like, oh, he's fun and charming and whatever. But like he's still evil. <laughs> like, but like you got to remember Zemo's backstory, right? He was a guy, I mean, I guess now he was a baron who had a freaking nation dropped on his family by a bunch of superheroes, right? Like he's against superheroes. He's not against the world. He's not against bad people. He's against superheroes because of what they did to wrong him. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not a super villain to me. Huh. Okay. I guess the first thing I think of when I think of that character is him blowing up the UN or whatever. So, like, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of super villainy. Yeah. Fair enough. Like, his motivations are sort of more complex than the typical, like, ha 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 ha, I want to take over the world or whatever. I mean, I yeah. guess. Yeah, but Marvel villains have never been, like, they always think like what they're doing is right, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like Thanos thinks he's right. I mean, Thanos is different. I can see him as a supervillain because him thinking he's right wants to kill like half of all fucking life in the fucking universe. That's <laughs> completely different from from Zemo. But I'm thinking more like you know, like Vulture and Killmonger and things like that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's a slippery slope. I don't know. <laughs> but speaking of Thunderbolts, I would like to see. A Thunderbolts movie where they keep things under wrap because, like, that's the big twist of the Thunderbolt comics, right? Because they're like a superhero team, and then in the end, it's revealed that Citizen V, who's like the the new superhero, so like the whole thing is like the Thunderbolts came about after the Avengers and uh, Fantastic Four were killed by Onslaught. You guys remember this in like the nineties and two thousands, right? Yeah, Yeah. yeah. And then, like, this other super team came about called the Thunderbolts, and they were led by this kind of Captain America-type masked guy called Citizen V. And in the end of the first issue, it's revealed that he's Baron Zemo. I kind of wish they'd keep that rug pull for, for the movie. That'd be kind of cool. It would be can they, though? I, I just, like, I feel like the second he starts talking, people are like, isn't that Baron Zemo? Oh, he could <laughs> have, like, a voice changer. <laughs> voice changer, yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe they just don't use Zemo. Maybe they use somebody else. Yeah, maybe. SSV. But um, let's talk about episode six, because uh, what the fuck happened? Yeah, what happened, right? All right, here's the thing. I don't think this ruined the show, but a lot of the shit that went down in episode six was like, what the fuck? I just thought a lot of the stuff didn't work. I thought Walker's arc was completely aborted. He's just like a he's just a good guy now. He's like walking around in the Captain America outfit and his bootleg shield. He walks by the council that said, "Like you are no longer yeah. able to like call yourself Captain America." Right? It's like, and then he's just working alongside Bucky, and Bucky's like, "Okay, come on, let's go." Or yeah, whatever. let's joke about Lincoln. Like it's like it's a little strange. I think that's like a any port in a storm type thing, right? Yeah, we're in. I'm in the middle of a fight to the death, and someone shows up and is like on my side. I'm not going to, like, scoff at his help or whatever. And he's, like, literally, like, saving people's lives or whatever. Like, he tries to stop the van from falling and whatnot. Yeah. I feel like it's understandable. And then he definitely, like, bounces, right? Like, it's not like he sticks around to, like, 
get the congratulations of a grateful nation or whatever. But I, I feel like they just aborted his arc, though. They set, like, a whole thing up where, like, he's building his shield, and then now he's just helping out in the final fight against the Flag Smashers, and, and that's it? I liked that he came back, because I, I thought that his arc was done. I thought that he was yeah. going to show up in, like, I don't know, season two or another movie or whatever. So I thought he was done and gone. A, I was glad he showed up again. And B, I kind of think that's what a guy like that would, like, he doesn't show up and be like, I'm here for justice. He's like, I'm here to kill Carly. You killed my friend. Ah! I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> like, that's, that's what that guy would do. Cool. I, I'm, I'm with it. Like, I don't know. I, I And then, like, again, like I, I keep saying, he is, like, a normal dude. So, like, he sees people in trouble. He, he has super strength and shit. He goes to help. Like, I don't know. All of it seemed pretty congruent to me. I thought it was tremendously thin, but I think, Amir, you do have a point, and I'm coming around to it a little bit. I just feel like it wasn't executed that elegantly, and like it, it just felt jarring to me. So I feel like the other jarring things are like bleeding over into that because I feel like Walker didn't bug me. There were there were some really jarring things, but this wasn't one of the ones that bugged me. Yeah, like I said earlier, they tied a lot of things up like kind of neatly. So like, I mean, the the Walker thing, him coming back and whatever that worked. We talked kind of already about Sharon Carter showing up, being revealed as the power broker. Which is just whatever. Which is just whatever. Mm -hmm. Kills Carly, ostensibly to preserve her secrets, right? To preserve her identity. Which, like, again, whatever. That's sort of, you know, uh, baked in. Isaiah Bradley, they wrapped up his story, kind of. All right, let's talk about Sam's speech. Did you like Sam's speech? No. Dude, it was awful and, like, just didn't – it didn't fit. It's like, why – are you doing this? Why are these people listening to you? It just it just didn't work. This was so on the nose. You know what? I actually I liked the speech itself. I thought it was fine. I wasn't blown away by it. I was like, all right, this is a little cringe, a little on the nose. I wasn't that bothered by it. But like the fact that they listened to him, that was what kind of bothered me. Right. These were not the type of people that would fucking listen to you. At all. Like, this this definitely would never happen. Right. Or they'd, like, listen to you and they'd be like, oh, we appreciate that Captain America has, you know, relayed his concerns. He's, like, a fine American servant. And, um, you know, we're going to take this all into account. And then they just do whatever the fuck they want to do anyway. Yeah. Right? Like, like, there's no way they're going to, like, listen to this fucking asshole. Yeah, I, I, was think, I was thinking about this. Like, I think, would this have played better if it wasn't, like, in the middle of the street where, like, everyone's, like, filming it? It felt, like, so forced in that moment. Like, if we got another scene later where maybe he interrupted the actual council, like, trying to vote, right? Using a moment like that where it feels more natural versus, like, it just felt so weird. It felt felt very weird. And, like, they'd been drawing this whole, like, thing where, oh, Sam has some sympathy for the Flag Smashers because, you know, he too is, you know, uh, not a full citizen of, like, the American polity or whatever. And he doesn't fully subscribe to all the things. They'd been laying the groundwork for that arc since the beginning but i never fully bought it i think the thing is that both the grc and the flag smashers are so broadly drawn that like sam's speech just has no weight to it you never really find out what the grc really doing i was like okay relocating refugees displaced by the blip or whatever and and but like i mean obviously you can't devote like your episodes to like grc politics that would be fucking boring as hell but like you know, but, like, it's not enough for us to, like, know, like, what's going on for us to, like, buy into Sam's speech and, like, have them listen to him either. Like, I, I just, it just fell flat for me, I think. And I think a lot of the action in this episode fell flat just because it took place at night. 
it was so muddled and like confusing. The geography sucked. Like I couldn't tell where anything was happening. Like where was the truck falling off the ledge? Like where yeah, who the fuck knows? Where was that in relation to the GRC summit, right? I mean, like I know it's in New York, but like and like everything's like bathed in this red light. It's just, it's just confusing and muddled and like well, why could you have this take place during the day, right? I thought the action kind of fell flat and I feel like Carly's arc kind of sucked too. She never really gelled. I think. Yeah, she I never think, really. I think gelled. she never really fully came together. They wanted to do a sort of a sympathetic, uh, a more sympathetic take on, I don't know, Flag Smasher, I guess. <laughs> you know, and, and they gave her like a, they gave her a sympathetic cause, and then like I don't know, they kind of half didn't ever fill in her arc. And half did the thing where they make the villain too sympathetic and so have to make her randomly evil. Mm -hmm. Like, it was kind of both. I think it's so funny because I think a lot of Marvel villains, like, the better Marvel villains suffer from this. Where they're just like, we have to unite the world. We have to help the people. Now execute all the hostages. Or yeah, whatever. Dude, you know, absolutely. It's like, oh, great. Like, why? All of them. They all do that. And that's because... In the end, the movie has to, like, serve the status quo of, you know, the Marvel Like, you keep saying they have to put the thumb on the scale, right, to, like, make these people. Like, Killmonger's a the perfect example. I mean, the Vulture is sort of one. A lot of of them are just, like, totally – or even as, as, like, Derek was saying earlier, like, Zemo does have sympathetic qualities. But then instead of being like, wow, superheroes are, like, incredibly dangerous and, like, kill a ton of people, which they do. And they should be regulated, which they should, right? Like, that's the whole registration act or whatever is about, right? Instead of, like, running with that, he's like, you know what I should do instead? Blow up King T'Chaka. Like, <laughs> All right, dude, you lost me there. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like, Killmonger is like, we must reclaim our culture. Now launch all the missiles or whatever yeah. <laughs> from Wakanda and just kill everyone. Fire, fire the missiles. Like, he <laughs> goes, yeah, he, like, he goes full on... Just out of nowhere, right? Like, because he's making he's making good points. You're like, wow. And then, yeah, they 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 gotta really put their whole hand on the scale. And they kind of did that with her, right? In order to you know make her sort of you know evil or whatever with the hostage taking and the whatever. Mm-hmm. But then she also never fully jailed, I guess, because like you said, she was so thinly and broadly drawn that you never get a sense that she's fighting on the right side or whatever. Like, she's not... Her cause isn't as compelling as Killmonger's cause, where you immediately understand what he's for and what he's against. Or or the vulture. Where you're like, oh, he's against, like, the rich assholes who've, like, ruined his life. Cool, I'm with it. But you don't feel the same way about her because it's all so... It's too fictionalized, right? Like, it doesn't attach to anything. Right. Like, we don't know enough about the stake of, like, the stakes of the situation in the Marvel world. For this to like, it's supposed to be a commentary on like refugee crises and immigration and like borders. But then it's like, okay, we have to stake out a middle position between no borders and like fascist isolationism or some shit. It's too complex for like six episodes where the focus isn't even mainly on her, right? Yeah, because it's really only until the last episode where you finally get some explanation of what they're trying to do, I feel like. Yeah, and then they all die. <laughs> Yeah, by by the, you know, the the senator who's talking about, like, you want us to, like, kick out all the people that have new homes now? It's like, oh, oh, so that's what this is about? Like, I didn't understand that until the moment you just said that. Because oh, really? I thought they had kind of laid that out a couple episodes ago, right? They don't really talk about, like, what it really means. To, like, I understand, like, some of these people have been displaced and, like, 
these people need to find new homes. But like, it was in that moment where I, I was like, oh, this guy kind of has a point. Like, I get that. I, I understand that argument. I never got that side until this moment. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, if, if you want me to care about this issue, you got to give me both sides so I can kind of make a decision. They needed a couple of episodes to lay out the, the stakes of the Trade Federation and the embargo and uh, the need for diplomacy. And uh, maybe some uh, – all right. That was supposed to be a Phantom Magipore reference. Never mind. <laughs> anyway, um, just get rid of the Magipore stuff and do that. Instead. Yeah, do that instead. No, but um, the, the arc just really landed poorly. And then they just were like, all right, we're just going to forge ahead with it and just like have the arc we wanted to have and just say the things that like didn't really land and just say them. That's why Sam's speech didn't work either, right? Yeah. Because he's supposed to be navigating this middle way between the consensus – of the GRC and the flag smashers, like, I don't know, sympathy for the refugees or whatever. And like, it just no, never, it never really works. I think that whole speech is like supposed to be the centerpiece of this episode. And that speech fell flat. And I feel like that's kind of why this episode didn't really work for me. And it's just so like on the nose and a little cringy. He's, he's just like, attention, everyone. This is my manifesto for being the new black Captain America. That's basically <laughs> what it is, right? Like, that's yeah, that's man. what it is. And Yeah, absolutely. Dude, the Im- the imagery of him coming down with his wings with, like, the dead girl in his arms, like, it's very... It's a little, yeah. Very uh, heavy-handed. So they, they kind of fumble the bag with that, right? Mm-hmm. I kind of thought they recovered it a little bit with the last 10 to 12 minutes of the episode. Like, I thought the rest of it was fine. I, I liked the Isaiah Yeah, I like that, too. They circled back around to make Walker U.S. agent change his uniform. Which was the same. <laughs> Which is the same, but it's just black. But black. Um, they circled back around with, uh, as we said, with Isaiah and the little monument. Or the monument. Yeah. Sorry. The um, little statue the in the Smithsonian. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. I really, really like that moment. Yeah, that was touching. I like that. I thought that was really nice. Bucky goes and he apologizes finally to his friend. Yeah. The ja- the Japanese gentleman whose who son he killed. I forget his name. I'm sorry. Mr. Nakajima. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I like some of the action that happens, the, you know, with the, the Flag Smasher stuff at the beginning. And some of it's a little iffy and not that great. And I, I think it's bookended really well, too, right? With the, like, you, you're bringing up the Mr. Nakajima stuff, the uh, Sam bringing Isaiah to see the statue, like, all that stuff works really well. It just is really sad that I think... The speech that we, you know, we've kind of talked about for like at length already, and I'm not going to get too much into, is the kind of thing that kind of ruins this episode. I don't know. Ruin is maybe like a, a strong word, but like is it's like it's all I can think about, and in the end, like it's not a good thing, right? It, it kind of tarnishes this episode for me. See, I was like feeling that way, and then I thought the last ten minutes they kind of pulled their their the fat out of the fire with mm-hmm. tying up all those plot arcs, and then. um I liked that, uh, you know, Sam and Bucky at the end, they're hanging out. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they've kind of made peace with the fact that they actually are friends. They, they're, they're saving the boat or whatever. Like, I thought that was fun. The kids are hanging off of Bucky's arm, you know. Yeah. He's making himself at home. I wanted to see more flirting between Sarah and uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. I don't know. I thought that as much as that main speech and all that sucked, I thought they did a good job with the rest of with tying the rest of it up uh, yeah i just want to say like i didn't i didn't think like this ruined the entire show like far from it i i just thought this was kind of weak but i did love the isaiah bradley stuff in the end like okay, okay. part of what makes this whole thing with sam doesn't work is i just don't like the new costume 
Yes, thank you. Let's get That's into this. Why it doesn't because it's not cool enough. So you're just like, oh, he's. Capped? I totally That's agree. His costume. Ugh. I just probably like, like it more than you. I don't. Too. I don't know if it's like the color scheme, the white where they put the white on the shoulders. It just doesn't work, man. I get it. It's it's pretty. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's like pretty comic accurate, but it looks. It is very comic accurate. It looks. Yeah, so. it's pretty pretty accurate, right? And that's great. Like, I think it's great that you want to try to bring in like this this iconic piece from the comics to the show. But like, you have to evaluate: does it look good in, real in life. person <laughs> in real life? And it for me, it doesn't. It, Live it just doesn't work. I looked up. Like online to see, like, is this what it looks like in the comics? Just because I don't know, I don't read them, and so I don't, I don't know what it, you know, what it looked, like, what it looks like. And apparently, this looks like what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah on, on the page, it looks cooler than it does. It just you, doesn't. You seem know, to work. you know what it is? It's too padded. Yes, it looks like a lot of padding, and like from for something from Wakanda, I would want to see like a more armored and like a sleeker look. He looks like he's wearing like football pads. Yeah, it just it doesn't work. And this is from Wakanda too. Come on, guys, you gotta get that art department of Wakanda gets gotta get a little bit better. It reminds me of how goofy Cap's first costume was in mm-hmm. uh, Avengers, oh. the first Avengers movie. So yeah, maybe we'll get a sleeker one in the next, in the next yeah, iteration maybe. of it. Maybe the padding is what it is. I didn't hate it. I just was like, oh, this isn't that cool. I just was, I was disappointed. I was like, oh, that's just not as cool as I. Actually, the thing that bothers me the most, and I think it, the thing that doesn't seem to translate too well is the headpiece mm. it's it's kind of weird seeing this thing kind of wrapped around your head but your forehead's exposed but and then your ears are popping out it's like it doesn't look good it's a partial like the partial suit yeah it's very strange to me like i don't know like i understand it's it's comic accurate i get it it, it just doesn't look good to me it looks fine in the comics it, it does look like a, it looks like a cool design on the page it just doesn't work for me uh in live action unfortunately because I think it is cool that, hey, they, the, the show followed through on the promise of what they said they were going to do from the beginning, basically, is that Sam was going to become Captain America, right? Like that, that's what the, the show has always been building towards. They didn't, you know, pull the rug out from under you on that one. They did do it. And the whole show was a conversation about what does it mean for a black man to be Captain America and take on the mantle of this white hero in a country that's still racist and blah, blah, blah. But – um, so they like they they did do it, and it just didn't land because the speech wasn't good, and the costume doesn't look as cool as it should. That's a shame because I don't know you you want them to uh, to nail it, and I think they didn't really. But what what I will say that I think works well is Sam as Captain America works. You know the, the question of like was he the right person to be the next Captain America? Mm-hmm. And, you know, did Steve make the right choice in choosing Sam? I think it it, by the end of the series, it's it's a resounding yes. And, like, we get to see why. I think the way he uses his costume is really inventive at times. I think his his ability to kind of think smart while he's fighting. Like, I love that helicopter scene where he, like, works with that lady. Yeah, yeah. The the helicopter hostage. Yeah. Like I th- yeah, I thought that was it worked really well. Like the the fact that he can kind of think on his feet. Mm-hmm. He thinks on his feet, but like I love the fact that he's also really empathetic, right? Like I like that you know, he still at the end tries to talk through with Carly rather than fight, right? Yeah. We talked about the speechifying that he does later on. Like I think that all embodies someone that I think is what Captain America should be. Mhm. And I love the moment when he talks with Isaiah and Isaiah himself calls him special, right? 
like I think it was an early episode where like Zemo talks about Steve one of a kind, right? He himself being very spe- a very special case of a person with super soldier serum. Mm-hmm. And Isaiah saying that Sam is special is mirroring in the same way, right? Like this is a special person that deserves to be Captain America. So did you guys happen to like freeze frame the plaque at the Smithsonian for Isaiah Bradley? No. No. I thought that was really great because okay, so it says Isaiah Bradley is an American hero whose name went unknown for far too long. Isaiah was one of a dozen African-American soldiers who recruited against their will and without their consent for participation in human testing in pursuit of the super soldier serum. Most did not survive. The few who lived through testing were sent on secret missions during the Korean War, during the conflict, and then a bunch of other stuff. But I I like that they they didn't, like walk around the aspect that they did this shit. Whitewash like, it, yeah. Yeah, like, oh, these were forgotten heroes or whatever. Just say that. But, like, they actually had a plaque that said, like, this was done without their consent and it was done, like, against their will. You know, I thought that was, like, a, a nice little moment. I'm pretty sure, like, Sam had had something to do with that, but I thought... Oh, yeah. I I, I guarantee it. Yeah, That was a nice moment. I, I wonder if production ever thought about... Like, I understood it. It felt like a moment where, like, he was trying to have this special moment with Isaiah. But, like, I wonder if they ever thought about having people actually in the room with them. Because it, it feels kind of weird that, like, there's no one there admiring this new exhibit. Maybe it hasn't opened yet. Yeah, maybe yet, it hasn't right? opened yet. I, I totally understand that. I don't like, know. Maybe but it's you're like, say, you're yeah. saying, like, what if you saw, like, I don't know, a family of kids appreciating or whatever. Yeah, like, exactly. Like people, like, pre- actually at the exhibit right. appreciating this this person, right, yeah, that, I mean, that's been it's added. Fine. It's supposed to be a moment between these two characters who we know, yeah, right? Yeah, and not, I understand that. I don't know. I don't know, if they, I don't know if they need to ladle on the, like... Yeah, I don't think it's wrong for what they did. I don't know if it would have or would not have, you know, made the scene better. But I just wonder if, like, production ever thought about that, like, the impact of, like, having people actually, like, take this in rather than it just being this intimate moment between them, right? Yeah. I want I wanted to bring this up. This has nothing to do with the show, per se. But I do find it kind of interesting that it seems like what Marvel is doing is not replacing, incrementally removing Stark tech. And replacing it with, like, Wakandan tech. Interesting. You know, like, Sam's suit was Stark tech. Now it's Mm. Wakandan, right? Bucky's arm wasn't Stark, but it's, like, now Wakandan, right? It's... Interesting. It's like, you know, who's going to make Quinjets now when there's no Tony Stark? (laughs) When Tony's dead, like, but we know, like, you know, Wakandans have, like, this awesome spaceships. And we see one in, you know, episode five. And then I guess the shield itself represents, like, it is kind of like this hybrid of, like, Stark and and Wakandan, right? Because it is made from vibranium. Like, I do find it interesting that it's not like they're trying to erase Tony Stark, but it's kind of interesting that it's, it's, I'm starting to see these, like, Wakandans being kind of like the science division, right? The the scientists now that are are kind of leading the way now that Tony's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. That is smart. That makes sense. They got to think about how they're going to. You know how they're going to do how, how they're going to do that, and that, that does make sense. Yeah, I just wanted to say, like, I think I started off the show with like a B plus, which is what I gave it, and then I think this last episode really kind of put a damper on it more than like the stuff in Wandavision did, because I think I gave Wandavision the same grade, and then like by the end I was like a B. I think this is probably like a B minus territory for me. Really? Is that a little rough? What, what I think what it's a little harsh. Think? I would have said said a B as well. I don't know. It's fine. Like I think. It's very, like, if you like Marvel stuff, you'll like this. And if you don't yeah. like Marvel stuff, this is nothing different. It won't convince you. 
right? Yeah. Whereas WandaVision is like, even if you don't like Marvel stuff, you can try this and you might like it, but there's no guarantee either way. Because WandaVision did try to do things a little differently. I mean, I would be a little bit harsher, even so, because in the end, I think WandaVision was better at being a TV show versus I don't think this was very good at being a TV show. I think this would have been better as a movie still. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's no crime to think that maybe this this is just a six-hour movie. You know, like they've been calling it the blend between what TV and movie is now is like it's a little bit harder to kind of distinguish. And like, yeah. yes, maybe this is a new kind of medium where we're just seeing six-hour-long stories being told, right, in increments. Yeah. I, I don't know. I It's still a TV show. It doesn't work as well as a TV show for me. Interesting. So that that's probably why I graded it a little bit lower than WandaVision 2. If that is it that will conclude this week's episode i think next week we are going to wow we're just gonna end with you guys hating on the black captain america that's so far (laughs) (laughs) and you just want to move on from that and be like all right let's talk about next week's show we're done with this goddamn black show screw screw you derek i'm just kidding you're the one who hates the costume (laughs) i want him to look cool man my man's gotta have some drip he's got no drip (laughs) (laughs) The the shit fucking sucks and I'm going to be honest with him about that. Yeah, I want to stop talking about Black Captain America, and I want to start talking about some Asian stuff. Uh, <laughs> but because uh, no, next week, I think we are going to dive into the new HBO Max slash Warner Brothers uh, movie, uh, Mortal Kombat. Yes, my pick for uh, Oscars in the next year. Best Picture nominee, Mortal Best Kombat. Best Picture nominee. <laughs> so, Jeff, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? You can find me here on the show. And what about you, Derek? Uh, you can find me at the wrong day. Day spelled D A Y I K, and that's for Instagram and Twitter. Uh, if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to more people. Yeah, and if you have any questions, comments suggestions about the final two episodes of falcon and the winter soldier feel free to shoot us a line at jeff at strangeharbors.com we like to get fan mail we like to get listener mail sometimes read it on the pod so feel free to shoot us that email and with that we will see you guys next week see you guys then all right see you next week everybody